Welcome home. If you're new, my name is Wade Owens. I'm the campus and teaching pastor here. And believe it or not, there was a day in recent history when every cell phone didn't have a camera inside of it. There really was a day where we actually had a real camera. Show of hands in the room, drop a comment online. If you remember the day that if you wanted to take a picture, you actually had to bring a camera with you. Show of hands. Yeah, if you're online, just drop I remember. And you took a camera wherever you went if you wanted to document it, and you took pictures, but you didn't take a lot of pictures because you only had 35 images on a roll of film inside of that camera. And then when you were done taking those pictures, you would take them to a drugstore, not the kind of drugstore some of you were thinking, like a Walgreens. You would take them in there. So if you went on vacation, you would have no idea how you looked on 31A until you took it to the drugstore, they developed it, and you got it back. So all of those images that you were trying to document on vacation or your kid's first birthday, you had no idea how they were going to look until they went through the process of being developed. See, the picture had to go through a process. And I still remember getting the images back and they would come in this folder that was sealed and you would wait until you got in the car and then you'd open it up and you'd begin to look through. How did they turn out? How did they turn out? And more often than not, you'd be like, oh man, mom's finger was in front of the lens or this one's got a smudge on it. I didn't have the aperture set the way I wanted it. All of those memories now are a little blurred or they didn't come out the way you wanted. And now it's super easy. I mean, you could just get your phone. If you want to take a selfie for Instagram, you could just take 30 different pictures until you get the one that you want. And then you post it on Instagram and say, hashtag real life, hashtag no filter, hashtag you lie. You use 30 filters to make yourself look good. Because we don't want to wait. We want to be able to instantaneously go, hey, this is the image that I want, and this is what I'm going to make the world think I look like. Boom, done. But there was a day when it was a process. Went through a process. Pictures took a process. And we just don't want to wait anymore. We don't want to be involved in a process anymore. And We're walking through the book of 2 Timothy together in a series called DXD, Disciples Multiplying Disciples. And what we've been learning is that disciples that multiply other disciples, they don't just happen on accident, but we're also learning that disciples that multiply disciples, they're not perfect people. I'm not a perfect person. My life has blurry spots. My life seems out of focus at times. There are memories in recent years of mine that I wish I could go back and for sake of the illustration, I wish I could retake those shots and retake those pictures because it just didn't turn out the way I wanted them to. So I'm, I'm not perfect. The church isn't perfect. You're not perfect. And not every life picture that I wanted to create came out perfect. But listen, look right here. We've been saved by a perfect savior. And we're in the process of learning what it means to model his teaching and model his ways. And so, you know, you may look back on your life and realize, man, it hasn't developed like I wanted it to. It hasn't turned out the way that I wanted it to. But listen, here's the hope that the gospel brings. No one and no family is beyond the power of Jesus. 
So regardless of what our life has looked like in the past, Jesus has new beginnings and new life for every one of us here in the room and watching online. It's the power of Jesus. Because God makes a habit of taking broken and sinful people, calling them to himself, making them his own, taking new pictures with their life, and then making new memories. And what Paul is telling Timothy today in chapter 2 is he saying, hey man, there's, there's a strength that you need and a process that you walk in. There's a strength that you need and a process that you walk in. And we're going to look at that today. So God, today we just pray. Pray for your power. Pray for your anointing. We pray, Lord, that you would call people from death to life and that you would manifest your power in our lives. The gospel would change us and sanctify us and empower us and send us out. Help us, Lord, to become disciples that really do multiply disciples. Help us know that no one and no family is beyond the power of the gospel. So we need you today in Jesus' name. And the church said, so we're going to begin in chapter 2. And Paul is going to begin by telling Timothy something very important. In fact, he's going to begin with a command. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. He says, you, that's Timothy. Therefore, my son, what's the word? Be strong. Now, this is, this is an imperative in the Greek. This is a command. And this isn't just a one and done command, Timothy. This is like, Timothy, make this your lifestyle. When you get up today, be strong. When you wake up tomorrow, be strong. When you wake up next week, be strong. When you get up next year, be strong. And Timothy is pastoring the hardest church that Paul ever planted. If you're new to the Bible or you're new to church, welcome home. Paul was a missionary that made some of the most formative missionary journeys in the ancient world. And he planted churches all all over the Mediterranean area. And he wrote almost half of the New Testament. And he's writing a letter back to Timothy, who's pastoring one of the hardest churches he ever planted. And he's saying, be strong. Now, let me just ask you, quick: can we be honest in church this morning? Can we be honest? Yes or no? If you can be honest online, drop the word yes in. If you are struggling and life is hard. It feels a little bit grueling and you got to feel like tomorrow I got to wake up and pull myself up by my own bootstraps. And tomorrow I got to work harder than I did today. And for the rest of my life, you're telling me just get up and get after it. How discouraging would that feel? I think it would be pretty discouraging, but, but the good news is Paul isn't telling Timothy that. That, that's not what Paul is telling Timothy here. The, the word be strong is actually in a passive voice. So listen, what Paul is telling Timothy, he's like, you need to be strong, but the strength that you need is not your own. The strength that you need, Timothy, is going to come from an outside force. Timothy, you've got to be strong, but not in your own strength. You've got to be strong in someone else's strength. So Timothy isn't being told by Paul, hey, harness your own strength. No, look what he says. Be strong in what? The grace that is in 
Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, God has given you strength. God has empowered you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Timothy, God is for you. He's ahead of you. You belong to him, and his power is available to you. In fact, the same power that rose Christ from the dead now lives in you. He who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. So Timothy, be strong, but not in your own strength. Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And you're not pastoring perhaps one of the hardest churches that Paul ever planted, but you are facing one of the most uncertain years that we've ever had. And many of you are trying to figure out what does it look like to have a school that's uh, reopening and one of my kids is learning digitally and one of them is going back and I'm also trying to work at home and now the election is coming up and my finances seem insecure. My future seems less certain and I'm weary and it's lasted at least six months and there's no end in sight at this point. And Wade, don't just tell me to be strong. Paul, don't tell me just to be strong. He's not telling you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. What Paul is telling you is that there is a power available that's not your own, but is provided for you. So rest in God's strength. And maybe you have felt more faithless than ever before. Maybe you feel like it's harder to pray than you have ever experienced in your life. Maybe you feel like it's even hard to believe right now. But the answer isn't just work harder. The answer is your Savior. The answer is Jesus. There is hope in this season and hope has a name and it's Jesus. Our strength comes from the power and presence of Jesus. So Paul didn't tell Timothy, hey, lean into your own strength. He said, no, lean into a strength that God has already given you through Christ Jesus. And I love this word here, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so it's God's amazing grace that saves us. But hello, it's God's amazing grace that keeps us. Because I don't know about you, but there are decisions and times in my life where I've just blown it. And I've failed miserably. And I don't have the strength to get back up. But I don't look to my own strength to stand up and start anew. I look back to the strength that God has already given me and the grace that he has already provided and continues to provide. So church, be strong right now, but be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And Paul cares deeply about Timothy being a disciple who multiplies disciples, but the strength he needs is not his own. And that's what he's telling him. And then he's going to begin to transition him and to say, all of this great truth that you're learning from me, don't keep it to yourself. Look what he says in verse two. Paul says this, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others. In chapter one, Paul said, you've received the pattern of sound doctrine. And we said, hey, the pattern is a person. It's the gospel. It's Jesus. So Paul is saying all of the good news of the grace that is in Christ Jesus, all of the good news of the gospel that you've heard from me, don't keep it to yourself. 
Part of being a disciple that multiplies disciples is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and searching, the unchurched, the de-churched, and the overchurched, where we say there is hope. So parents, what you're learning should be transferred to your children. Students, what you're learning should be transferred to other students where what we learn today, we give away tomorrow. You don't have to have a PhD in theology to be a disciple multiplier. It begins with you going, hey, let me tell you what God did in my life today. Let me tell you what God did in my life yesterday. You're passing on truths that you're learning each day. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy to do here. And then he's going to begin to talk about now this process of what you're going to walk through. He's already given us, here's the strength that you need. Here's a process that you're going to walk through. And he's going to give them three different illustrations. And the first one has to do with a soldier. Look at this. And I know this is y'all's favorite word in the Bible right here. Share in. What's the word? Yeah, y'all love that word. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul continues, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. So Paul talks about part of the process of becoming a disciple that multiplies disciples is sharing and suffering the commitment of a soldier. Because the reality is, there really is a battle and we really are at war. The problem is most people are just fighting the wrong battles. That there really is an enemy who is after our families and our churches and your joy and your mission. But but the enemy cannot take from you your purpose. The enemy cannot take from you your salvation and the purpose and plan that God has for your life. But he can distract you from it. And again, rob you of the joy of this season. And Timothy desperately needed not only like this divine strength that only God can give, but he needs a singular focus. And Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to be strong, be ready, because listen, you got to lean into your Savior because trials are on the way. Timothy, some hard times are coming. You need to be ready. Tap into God's strength because these trials are on the way. And sometimes, can we just be honest? We need a difficult time. We need a trial. And here's why. God's not going to give you a life that makes him unnecessary. God is not going to give you a life that makes him unnecessary. And just as much as the peace of God is a promise of God, so are trials. And so often we think, man, life is hard. God must not be in it. But growth comes when you're stretched. And when you're stretched and you feel out of strength, Paul is telling Timothy, be strong in God's strength. That is available in this moment. Faith is built when you step out and life is hard. And God promises he's going to see you through it. So be strong, Timothy. Be strong, church. And a lot of people believe that Paul is telling Timothy at this point to be strong and endure hardship. Because Timothy's faith is beginning to weaken a little bit. Maybe he's not being quite as courageous as he needed to be at this point. 
point. So he's backing up a little bit in the faith and Paul is encouraging him, man, God has got strength for you, Timothy. God has got power for you. Be strong. And I don't know about you, but I love to read the Bible and know that these were not perfect people. These were broken, fallen, sinful men and women just like us, empowered by God to do these things. And so if Timothy struggled, I think it's okay if we struggle. But he's like, be strong. And imagine a guy like Paul just telling you to toughen up. I mean, Paul was committed. There's no easy act to follow. Paul took all those missionaries' journeys. He was beaten. One time he was shipwrecked. And when he was shipwrecked, he finally got onto dry land. And when he got onto dry land, he was bitten by a snake. Wouldn't you be like, come on, God? Paul's saying, be strong, not in my strength, but in the strength of God. And Paul was a committed man who harnessed the power of God. Paul, we're going to put you in jail. That's fine. I'll lead all the guards to Jesus. Paul, we're going to exile you. That's fine. The presence of God is my strength. Paul, we're going to kill you. Well, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You couldn't do anything with a guy like Paul because he had the power of God in his life that he had tapped into. And Paul isn't telling Timothy, hey, model my strength. He's telling Timothy, be strong in the grace of God that's been my strength and also needs to be yours. Lean into your Savior. Lean into the grace that is in Christ Jesus and battle like a soldier. Because yes, it will be tough, but God will see you through it. And quite often we say, hey, if it doesn't come easy, God's not in it. The only problem with that is, Jesus never said that. One of the places that I love to go is Southeast Asia. We partner with a disciple-making church planning movement there that's baptizing three to 500 people a month amongst the least reached of the unreached. And I love to go and just partner for a week or so with those men and women who are on mission. And one of the places we went to, we were some of the first Christian believers, uh, not from India, in there to encourage them. And I remember walking up to one of the homes and there was all of these like cutout marks on the door. And when I walked into the family, the, the dad had scars on his arms and we began to just sit and have a meal with him. And I, I remember asking him, I was like, Hey, I don't know if it's rude or not, but I don't mean any disrespect, but do you mind telling me about like your doorway and your arm? And he said, sure, I'll, I'd be glad to tell you about it. Those are, those are machete marks from when persecution broke out in our village and a group of men tried to squash the gospel here in our area. Uh, but but the, there was a core of us that said, no, as for me and my house, we'll, we'll serve the Lord. And I don't fear the man who can take my life. I only fear the one who can take my soul. So no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And we're going to stand for the gospel. And we're going to stay for the gospel, believing that God is going to redeem this and do something great. And I'm so glad he looked at us and said, you're here because we want to learn from you. And I just wept. I said, no, sir. No, sir. I want to learn from you. How do you harness a faith like that? How do you walk in a power like that? Sometimes we look at the developing countries and go, oh, poor them. And a lot of times I go, oh, poor us. Because they've tapped into a power of God and a presence in their life that has allowed them to walk through unthinkable things. But now the gospel is on fire in that area. And I want a faith like that. I want to see God do things like that. Paul wanted Timothy 
to have a faith like that. And he's like, sometimes you got to suffer like a good soldier. That's one of the illustrations of the process he used. He has another illustration that he's going to use, and it's that of an athlete. Look at the next verse. He says this, also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So the first illustration was a soldier. Now he talks about an athlete. And if you watch athletes, many of you have athletes in your home. In junior high, the absolute natural athletes just dominate in any sport that they play. Their freshman year, their sophomore year, the natural athletes still just shine. But by the junior year, here's what you begin to see. It's that those who have the dedication and the discipline begin to separate themselves from everyone else, even the more talented ones. Talk to coaches, talk to trainers, talk to those who are recruiting for D1 schools. It said, we look for the kids who want it more, not just the most talented athlete. And so he's saying, saying, Timothy, what I want to see in your life is a commitment and a passion for the things of God. Harness that in your life. An athlete. And then he uses an illustration of the farmer. Look, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Show of hands in the room and maybe put a praise hand online. Those of you that grew up maybe in an agricultural farming family, show of hands. Okay, new in agricultural family have heard about an agriculture or farm. Just make sure everybody, yeah, we've at least heard about them. Harvest time means what? Work. Harvest time means get out there and go harvest what you've worked for all of this time. Harvest time is sweat. Harvest time is, I'll tell you what's true. How many of y'all have ever been talking to someone and be like, hey, then just go talk to your mom or you use some sort of other institutional authority to make your point. You don't want to listen to me, listen to blank. Well, that's what Paul says next. Look at the next verse. He says this. Well, consider what I say. Just mull it over, Timothy. Just think about it. Consider what I've said, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That's basically what he said. Timothy, you don't want to listen to me. Jesus is going to make my point for me because he's the one that's inspiring these words anyway. Just in case you miss the point, Timothy, I want you to know God is the one that's writing this and he's going to convince you anyway. Paul is talking to Timothy about what it means to live a life as a disciple that multiplies disciples. Imperfect broken, sinful, wretched people that are saved by God, sanctified by God, empowered by God, sent out by God. He's like, you need strength that you don't have, and then there's a process that you walk through. And what I want to do is I want to give you some handles as we begin to draw to a conclusion. I want to give you a couple of handles where you can say, okay, wait, how do I then in my life make this work for me this week? So there's a couple of things that I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, write all of these down. If you're not taking notes, you know what you do? Write this down. That's right. Number one, you really do need the power of God. Two, personal discipline. Three, biblical community. We're going to talk about each one of those. So let's, let's begin and let's talk about the power of God. Remember what Paul told Timothy in verse 1. We've been talking about it all throughout the sermon. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because without the power of God... This exercise becomes a graceless effort that's just absolutely going to wear you out. 
You're going to have the power of God to not only save you, but then it's got to sanctify you, which means to make you holy and then to empower you and to send you. That's what the gospel does. You need your savior every day of your life. The gospel does more than just save you and keep you from hell. The gospel transforms you and empowers you and it sends you and you need the gospel to inform your life, to empower your life. Because if you leave here and think, all right, I'm just gonna white knuckle this thing, I'm gonna do it, no. No, you won't for long. And without the power of God, this becomes this frustrating experience that's destined to fail and you think, ah, Jesus, this doesn't work for me. We gotta have the power of God in our life. It begins at salvation. I am a sinner that needs salvation. And then we walk in that power the rest of our life. We need the power of God. But then not only do we need the power of God, but then we need this. We need personal discipline. We, we really do. And historically, people have tried to approach this part of being a disciple in one of two ways. One, the type A people, they go like this. I'll make my list. What do I do? Wait, check, check, check. Put it on my refrigerator. Put it on my dash. Put it on my mirror. Put it here. And every day that I get up, I'm going to check these boxes. They go that way. Or they do it a little more organically. Well, listen, if the power of God is that important, then I'm just going to sit around until it shows up. And I'm just going to wait for God to move. And I know God said we should pray, but doesn't God know what I'm going to pray before I do it? And God's going to save people. He's the only one that saves people. So why do I share the gospel? I mean, it kind of feels a little bit like a waste of time and repetitive if, if God is really the one doing this. So I'm just going to kind of wait around and see if God's going to do something. I, I don't know about you, but I didn't become a follower of Jesus until I was 19, almost 20. And before I was a follower of Jesus, I really was a wretch. I, mean, I still am. Paul says, oh, the wretch that I am. But I was an unsaved wretch. And in order to do what I really wanted to do in college and in high school, I would stay up late. I would forego sleep. I would change my schedule. I would adjust whatever I needed to do in order to do the thing that I was most excited about. And what Paul is telling Timothy is I want you to be so fired up about Jesus. You tap into his strength that you begin to change your schedule and pattern your life around what it means to follow him. In 1 Timothy, he tells Timothy, hey, train yourself for godliness. And the word train is the Greek word gymnazo, which is where we get the, our word gymnasium, which means there, there is labor and there is sweat and there is intentionality. It takes commitment. It, it takes failure. It takes getting up. It takes coaching. It takes leaning in. And unless you're a real type A person, training is hard. I don't know about y'all, but has there ever been a time in your life, maybe around January, where you get really, really excited about exercise again? I know we're about four or five months away from that excitement kind of pinging back up again. And some of y'all, a bunch of y'all apparently went out and bought a Bowflex. Hey, listen, it's really easy. Just 48 payments of $29.95. But where is that Bowflex now? Nolensville buy, sell, and trade. Our tech director, Josh, came up to me. He's like, yeah, I sold mine this week. Sorry. <laughs> it, it takes more than a desire for change to get in shape. It, it really does take a commitment. And training our lives spiritually is no different. We need the power of God. Yes, 
We need a desire for change, but then it also takes some discipline and some effort. But I don't want you to think about this as like a list. I got my list. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm not going to watch bad movies. I'm doing it. It's it's more than that. It's got to be more than a list. Listen, Jesus isn't just a list that you check. He's a Lord that we follow. And this isn't a go and do sermon. This is by Christ's power. We want to go and become followers. This is about transformation. This is be, not do. Because if it's just do, 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 it's destined for failure. And God has so much more beautiful things in mind for you than just a list. But it, does it take discipline and commitment? Yes, but just don't think about it like a list. Do you have to be intentional? Yes. Is it a marathon? Yes. But the only way to complete a marathon is to start. Paul said at the end, I fought the good fight, I finished the race. But in Romans 7, he said, God, I'm such a wretched sinner. There are things that I know I'm supposed to be doing that I'm just not doing. And I know there's things that I'm not supposed to be doing that I'm doing. But I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, and I'm going to keep walking forward. Even when I take a step back, I take more steps forward. I'm not a perfect person. Paul was not a perfect person. This church isn't filled with perfect people, so we're not calling you to perfection. We're calling you to be changed by a perfect Savior and begin a journey with him. And so all we want you to do today is just take a next step. The very first time I walked into church 25 years ago, it was after a really, really long night of breaking a lot of commandments. And when I walked in, I heard a group of people say, hey man, welcome home. You're loved here and we're glad you're here. And we as a church want to say the same thing to you, regardless of where you've been, what your life has looked like. We want to say to you, welcome home. There is a God who loves you. There is a church that loves you. And because we love you, man, we want to press on you and say, God has a life that is amazing and exciting that he has called you to. Let's go get after it. And nothing that we're talking about here and being disciples who multiply disciples is about earning God's approval or making God love you. I want to be really clear. Nothing about this is like going, man, if we do this, God will love us and approve of us. That's, that's not true. What is true is that God already loves us. And we are already accepted and approved because of Christ and what he did 2,000 years ago. When he shed his blood, he put sin to death. And now we walk in forgiveness and we walk in acceptance and we walk in love. And so it's because I am accepted. It's because I am loved. It's because I am forgiven that I do want to do these things now. So you don't, you don't earn anything. And you're never more loved than you are right now in this moment if you're a follower of Jesus. So I am loved, and that leads to obedience. And what we want for you is greater joy, more abundant living, more of the fullness of life that God has to offer. And one of the next steps that we believe is vital for your faith is this in biblical community. And get in a group 
When the Bible talks about growing and maturing as a believer, it always describes it as a group of people doing life together. Scripture doesn't call you to this in isolation. When Paul wrote to all the churches, he said, hey, to the saints in, to the saints in, so all the admonitions of, hey, let's go and let's run and let's change the world. They were said to people who were supposed to be doing life with other believers. And so our faith, man, it is inescapably communal. And we need people around us to love us and encourage us and care for us and help us be equipped for what God has next. And every week we've been showing you some stories of our life groups. And we want to show you one more story of another life group right here in our area. So you take a moment and watch this video. We attend the Gray Life Group, and we've been attending the Gray's Group for about three years. As you know, as part of the launch team, you know, we went through some you know training where it was you know share your faith anywhere training, and it was it was great because it helped people get comfortable with you know transitioning normal conversation into you know sharing your faith. I think helping people comfortable in sharing their faith in everyday conversation with you know friends, neighbors, coworkers, family, and, and that, that sort of people. I think just with the training that we receive from our church and in our life group, we just go out and live our lives, and as an opportunity arises, we just share our faith and we share Christ, and you don't have to be anyone special, we're certainly not, we just live our lives, and when we have the opportunity, we just share our faith. Some of our non-Christian neighbors, in some of our conversations with them, talking with them about uh, our family, and then talking about you know, our daughter, who we going to be getting baptized, and so we took that as an opportunity to invite them to her baptism, and so it's an opportunity to share our, our, our testimony with them a little bit and see what, you know, we're more about. And as a result of our daughter being baptized and watching her parents uh, share gospel conversations with people, these same people that we had invited to come see her baptism, she turned around and had a gospel conversation with their child. And living your life and getting out and being willing to put yourself out there and just willing to share the gospel. You don't know who you're going to touch. You don't know who needs a word from you at that very moment. This really is just a building. And we are the church. And we want to gather really, really well as the church and worship and sing and proclaim the gospel. But we want to scatter really well as the church and the homes and neighborhoods and communities because there is more to our life and our faith than just this room. And I love this room. It's one of my favorite times in the week. But just, but just imagine even our best weekend here as a church. And I'm talking about like the band just thunders. It's like Justin was reading your thoughts. And he's like, this is the song they want. Played all your favorite songs at the volume you wanted to hear them at. And then when I preached, you were like, swack, yes and amen. You just were the best sermon I've ever heard in my whole life. How long does that last? Does it make it to Wednesday? Like, I believe with all my heart, I wouldn't do this. I believe that the word of God doesn't return void, and I am not doing this in vain. And God is going to save and redeem by the power of the gospel. He's going to do his work, but my point is... You need more than just this gathering. Welcome home. We're so glad you're here. If you are 
not a follower of Jesus, if you're unchurched or de-churched or haven't been to church in a long time, you're welcome in any of our groups. You're welcome in my home. I host the group. Welcome home. It's because we believe that God has a life for you that's so full of joy and mission, but most people never taste it. And so be here, but also belong. Get in a group. Find biblical community, people who are going to love you and care for you and do life with you. And I've said this before, well, Wade, aren't there weird people in some of the groups? Yeah, look around. Maybe you're like, Wade, my group doesn't have any weird people in it. Well, that's not true. Every group has at least one weird one. And if you don't think there's a weird person in your group, you know what that means? You're it. Church, I want you to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I want you to commit to a process of becoming a disciple that multiplies disciples. One of those processes is getting in a group. We're going to tell you in just a second how to do that. But before we do that, I want to talk to the person that's in the room or watching online that's not a follower of Jesus. We really are so glad that you're here. So much of our planning and praying and preparing is for you. And we believe if you're in the room or online, like God brought you here to hear that there really is grace available. There really is one who put sin to death, who put death to death. There really is forgiveness and hope and new life available, and it's in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. And it's called good news because it really is good news. (laughs) Because the reality is we really are wretched sinners, fallen and broken and selfless and separated from a holy God. But it's good news because God didn't leave us or the world that way. That Jesus left heaven and came to earth, was crucified, buried, and rose again so that people like you and me could be set free. So that we could know the God of the universe. That we could find the freedom that we desperately need. And we discover, man, God has a calling on our life. That we go make a difference. But what we ask you today is, that, do you know God in a life-saving, transforming way? Has there been a time in your life where you have said, no to sin, and I want to lay my life down before Jesus? I do believe he is the God of heaven and earth and was crucified for me, and I want to accept his gift of salvation. And if that has never been true for you, then today we want that to be true for you. And we want to celebrate and we want to share that with you. So if you ask today and you pray and say, God, would you save me? He will. And we want you to let us know. So text the word today, right now, in this room, watching online, grab your phone and text the word today to 623-623. And it's going to come directly to our team. We're going to celebrate with you. We're going to follow up with you. 
And we're going to help you begin a new journey with Jesus. But don't wait. Do that now for those of you that are not a follower of Jesus. But for those of you that are a follower of Jesus and you're interested in a group life, we want to help you today and do this. Text the word NOLO, Nolasville, NOLO, to 623-623. It's not going to send you to a form. We're not going to get your mother's maiden name in the last digits or your social security number. If you want to give us that, that's okay. But we're not going to ask you for it. It's going to send you to one of our team members, and they're just going to help you get plugged into a group of people that will love you and care for you and help do life with you. So Jesus, today, our lives are yours. I pray you would convict and call and love and encourage and that you, Jesus, would do the work in the hearts of those right now as we sing that needs to be done. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we're going to continue to sing. So I invite you, let's stand together. Let's continue to worship our Savior.